who among us doesn't enjoy a good mystery? And especially when solving it means that I get to bring out my competitive side, even if it's just me against the clock, I just can't wait to uncover all the secrets. So June's Journey is a game that is completely up my alley, and I think you'll love it too. In June's Journey, a hidden object mystery game, you play as June Parker, who's on a quest to solve her sister's murder and uncover her family's many secrets. Each chapter brings you deeper into the story, and it's set in the Roaring Twenties, so beyond uncovering clues, you get to experience the glitz and glamour of the time. June's Journey is definitely not a game I play mindlessly, which I love because I get genuinely invested and a lot of it is a race against time, so there's a little fun added pressure of trying to find the clues as quickly as you can in each scene. There are also tons of ways to customize the island that you're on, learn more about the characters, and then new chapters are added weekly, so you really can't run out of things to explore. So if you think you're up to solve this case, download June's Journey for free today on iOS or Android or play on PC through Facebook games. June needs your help, detective. Wander with us into a world of magic. Do you lack magic? Where old stories take on a new life and the world is teeming with possibilities. Well, for the last time, we're not kissing, Fritz. Join Jenny and Madeline in this fantastical audio drama as they journey into the stories you grew up with. Okay, Gown. Let's do this. And reinvent fairy tales with a feminist twist. Ready for your next adventure? Then we'll see you soon in the forest of feminist fairy tales. I pick door number four. And I wish I had a good reason to pick that one. But I don't. I'm just choosing to get this over with. I mean, I spent a couple of hours, or what seemed like a couple of hours, thinking about the Narak warriors and the body switching and the island. I tried to think of any relevant symbolism or hints in the story. Any reason why the gardener would send one of his guys to tell me about tribes and rites of passage. But I couldn't come up with an answer. I couldn't come up with a solution because I wasn't sure what the problem was I needed to solve apart from not dying in an old cooling cell. So, after working up some courage, I picked a random door and went for it. I want door number four, please. Nothing happens. I'm not sure if I should say anything else. Did I pick the wrong thing? The wrong number? Am I just going to be... Left here? Blue light pours in like water. I can't see a thing. I'm still sitting in the middle of the cell, and it takes a second before the world comes back from behind the blinding wave of light. I'm looking down, and when I open my eyes, there's bones. were some kind of sticks on the floor, but the cooling cell is filled with, with bones and, and skulls, and who were all of these people? Did they work for the gardener? Are these the remains of people who chose the wrong door? Why would the gardener have people pick random numbers? Maybe this has nothing to do with him anymore. 
Maybe the creeper has his own abduct-and-tell-weird-story side business going. Just because he's completely insane. I start hurrying towards the open door, in case I only have a certain amount of time before it closes again. I mean, I don't know. I don't understand what the rules of this game are. If there are any rules. But as I walk towards the exit, I become convinced that the creeper has left. I don't hear anyone, and it feels like I'm alone now. Sometimes you can sense things like that. There's five doors. Not just the cooling cell door with the faded BBU logo, but also four other ones. I'm pretty sure there was just one door when the creeper told his story. Door number four is open and I just go to that one without checking the other doors. I don't even look at the other ones. I don't even check if they're locked. I've been endlessly thinking about what door to pick and I didn't know what to pick, so I'm going for this one. I stand in the open doorway, looking at a deserted BBU restaurant. The layout is exactly like the one in Corvat. All of them are like this. There's a construction team somewhere churning out BBUs like it's a car model. Anyway, this one's been deserted for a long time. I can see where the sleeper station was, but everything's been stripped for parts, or stolen. The windows are all broken, and there's just foliage outside the windows, thick like curtains. I can't see where we are. I'm about to step through the open doorway, into the abandoned kitchen, and out of my prison, but something stops me. Something holds me inside the cooling cell. Not like an invisible wall, but more of a bad feeling, a kind of premonition. And also, there's a sound that's out of place. It's... it's water. I can hear water. Not metaphorically, like with the light, but for real. It's like there's a huge leak somewhere inside the abandoned restaurant. For some reason, I look behind me. Should I check all the other ones? The other doors? But then I decide, for once in my life, to make a choice of my own and stick with it. I look down and I see my bag is waiting for me. My psychotic kidnapper left all of my stuff. Oh, that's nice of him. Thanks, creeper. I hang the bag over my shoulder and prepare myself. I know this sounds weird, but the sound of water makes me take a deep breath and hold it before I step through.
always knew my husband was a complex man. Or what should I call this? Uh, he was struggling with things, you know, on the inside. To be honest with you, that's probably part of what attracted me to him. I like the introvert pondering types. <sighs> it's hard to explain. I knew there were things he struggles with that I never got to see. Not even after being married and me expecting his kid. But that was okay, you know? Some people are introverts and some are extroverts. I'm not the kind of person who forces someone to share. And never, once, had it crossed my mind that he would be hiding something secretive or, you know, promiscuous from me. I mean, I'm still not entirely 100% sure either of those is the case. I'm still not sure what is going on, exactly. The only thing I now know is that he is hiding something very big. Something that was on his mind a lot. Probably every day. Something that changed him. And I know it had to do with a girl, or woman, that lives in Naraka City. Someone named Kim, that he was trying to find. First, I found the search queries on his laptop. I know it's hard to believe, but I didn't mean to look up his search history. I really didn't. I don't care if he looks at porn or asks the internet if it's okay to hate your wife every now and then. That's just male or, I should say, human behavior. All I meant to do was go to his bookmarks. I had used his laptop to look up a wallpaper I liked for the nursery. And I had bookmarked it because it was a bit expensive and I wasn't sure, you know, if it was worth it. I thought maybe my nesting instinct was fooling me into spending too much money on a print with little red balloons. But instead of opening the bookmarks, I clicked on the search history. And it was right there. I mean, even before I had a chance to look away or close the window, the pattern of the queries was so... There were the same searches every day. It was undeniable. He was investigating something. Or someone, actually. Every single morning, he looked for a person named Kim. He searched social media accounts, LinkedIn stuff, endlessly looking into people called Kim that lived in the city. Naraka seemed to be his one lead to go on. I went into the computer itself. You know, the hard drive. I searched for Kim on there and... Well... A lot came up. A lot. My husband, the soon-to-be father of my child, was conducting a one-man search mission for this person, Kim, and kept it a secret from me. Apparently, he knew her from back when he still lived in Corvat. 
They worked together in the BBU kitchen, and now he was determined to find her again. I mean, determined. He made timelines of her life, with snippets from police statements that might reference her, journal entries from way back when he was living in Corvat, and all kinds of guesswork and speculation. He had even interviewed people, talked to a janitor from some building she might be living at. He had been calling this woman who owned a dry cleaner where Kim might have been working for a couple of months. I mean, it was insane. He had... He had made maps of the city, crossing off sections she probably didn't live, circling streets she might, endless lists of places she might have gone in case she wasn't in the city anymore. He was obsessed with this woman. He was searching for her as if he was trying to find a missing piece of himself. (sighs) I just wanted to buy wallpaper with red balloons on it. You probably understand that, especially being pregnant and all, my heart broke sitting behind that laptop. That night, when he came back from work, I confronted him with what I found. I mean, the adrenaline was making it very hard to keep my emotions in check. I had been waiting all day, and you know how these things go. You have the conversation over and over again in your head while you wait. You drive yourself nuts. So, he came in from work and I started asking questions. I could see he was completely overwhelmed. He didn't say anything. He just stared at me like I was a stranger. I was obviously overwhelming him, but once I started asking him about this Kim, I couldn't stop. I couldn't stop talking. It turned into a fight. Well, a one-way fight. I just yelled at him, and he stared back. And then, at some point, he turned around, walked out the door, got in his car, and left. Without saying anything, he just drove off. I don't understand how he could do that to me. Leave me in the dark for so long. It's just... I hated him for it. I still do. Around five in the morning, he finally came back home. I could hear the front door. He got in bed next to me, and I didn't have the courage to do anything. I pretended to be asleep. I was half asleep, actually. Then we both just laid there, awake. I'm not sure about him, but I was staring at the window. I watched the tree in our front yard turn orange slowly as the sun came up and thought about this person, Kim. Who was she to my husband? Or is? I just stared at the tree and waited for his alarm. I thought things might be a bit clearer in the morning. I had no idea. I thought the worst had already happened. 
I had no idea the door that was about to open and who was stepping through. After us lying there, pretending to sleep for two hours, his alarm goes off and he gets up for work. From the moment I got pregnant, I had to stop working because of pelvis pains. He always made a big deal out of not waking me, and it was really sweet. But that morning, while he made his way to the bathroom as quiet as possible, it felt wrong. To be honest, I thought he was weak for that, not talking to me not working up the courage to explain. To at least have the decency to lie, you know? To put my hormone-filled heart at ease. But he didn't. He closed the bathroom door behind him and I could hear the shower running. I laid in bed, listening to the water, and told myself I would confront him a second time once he got out. He left me no choice. He took a long time. Normally, he showers for like three minutes. He gets it over with as fast as possible. But it took him five, and then 10, and then 15. I laid there for about 20 minutes when I decided to go check on him. I got out of bed and knocked on the door, but there was no response, just the water running. Then I opened the door and walked in. Take a breath. I step through door number four, but I don't step into the restaurant. The second I lift my foot and cross the threshold, it's as if the whole world turns into water. Not like falling into a lake or someone emptying a bucket over your head. It's not like that. It's like... Take a breath before you drown. It's like everything is water. There's no sky or ground or buildings. It's all water. I am water. For a moment, a very peaceful moment, all that exists is an endless, empty ocean. And I'm just as much ocean as the rest of it. But then my lizard brain tells me to take a deep breath. Breathe in, now! I'm standing in a tub, a white tub, and there's water pouring over me. I'm standing under a shower head. I'm still wearing my clothes, my shoes, I still have my backpack, but I'm soaked. 
I try to step out of the tub, but I underestimate the weight of the wet pants, and I trip and fall on my ass. I look up, and there's a woman in the bathroom. Her bathroom, I presume. She's looking at me. She starts asking me what I'm doing. What do I say to her? I don't understand what's going on either. How did I even get here? She asks me why I put clothes on before stepping under the shower and where I got the backpack. She's almost screaming and her panic makes me shut down even more. She starts screaming at me louder now, asking me if I lost my mind. I don't know what to say. The thing is, she looks kind of familiar. Her face, it's as if I know her. As if I've known her for a very long time. It's hard to explain. While I sit there and stare at her, she leans into the tub and turns off the water. That's probably a good idea. And then she leaves, and I can hear she's calling 911. That's probably a good idea also. What is your emergency? You have to send someone. I'm afraid for my husband's well-being. I think he's lost his mind. Are you afraid he might hurt you, ma'am? Are you still in the house? Yes, I'm in the bedroom and he's in the bathroom. But I don't think he'll hurt me. He's just sitting in the tub. He doesn't say anything. Sending someone over while we talk, ma'am. Is there a way you could close the door and lock him in until the officer gets there? I could try, but I don't think I'm the one in danger here. I think he needs help. Does he have a history of mental illness? No. Did something happen this morning? We had a fight yesterday. And this morning, he just got in the shower, like every morning. But he was in there for like 20 minutes. So I got out of bed to go check on him. What did he do? He was standing there with his clothes on and there was a backpack. He was just showering, standing there, dressed, staring at his feet. The officer is ten minutes away, ma'am. His hair is short now. Uh, What's that? His hair is short. It was long when he got in the shower, and now it's all gone. And I think his scar is also gone. The the burn mark from falling asleep at work. I can't make out what you're saying, ma'am. He had an accident last year with a grill, and there was a scar on his cheek. But it's not there anymore. And his hair is short. And there's a backpack all of a sudden. Where did he get that thing? Are you okay, ma'am? No. I am very much not okay.
Hey, Jenny, have you um, ever heard of a vampire slayer? Do you mean the one girl in all the world with the strength and skill to fight the vampires, demons, and forces of darkness? I do. Oh, yeah. I've heard of her. Cool. My name is Jenny Owen Youngs. And I'm Kristen Russo. And together, we spent six years watching every episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer, one at a time, podcasting about each and every one. Never seen Buffy before? We will protect you. Our podcast is spoiler-free, so first-time viewers can listen along safely. Ever thought to yourself, I wish someone was brave enough to write an original song for every single episode of Buffy? (laughs) Your search is at an end, my friend, because we did exactly that. So if you've never watched Buffy, or if you're about to watch the series for the 14th time, come over and join us. Our podcast is called Buffering the Vampire Slayer, and you can learn more about it at BufferingCast.com. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.